we're going to be in Mark 12, 1 through 12. We're going to switch gears a little bit here. As a holdover from the great fall family festival that we had, where many of us got to be children for a day, it seemed fitting to show a clip this morning of a toddler trying to get what she wants. So here we see a little girl who is frustrated by not being understood. She's talking to Alexa, the computerized personal assistant, who is always listening in people's homes. And the girl wants Alexa to play a song for her called Baby Shark. But Alexa is having a hard time getting it. Oh, man. When I saw this hilarious scene this week, it reminded me of how God tries to communicate what he wants from us. But somehow we hear something different. So we play a different tune that isn't quite right. And from the scripture we read today, we remember how God has tried various ways to get humans to understand his will. He gave the law. He allowed kings. He sent prophets. And the people kind of understood, but they kept playing the wrong song. So finally he sent his son who spoke the word, who made everything clear. Then so many more people understood, and there was dancing. But not all the people danced. When the son came, not everyone was happy. Last week we studied about a confrontation Jesus had with the top Jewish leaders over the issue of authority. And right after that confrontation, Jesus tells a parable to those same leaders when they are standing in front of him. So let's read what happens in Mark 12, 1 through 12. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his share of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent another slave to them. This one they beat over the head and insulted. Then he sent another, and that one they killed. And so it was with many others. Some they beat and others they killed. He still had one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. When they realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd, so they left him and went away. Have you ever been in a situation where someone is talking about you while you are present, but you don't realize it? This happened to me in a memorable moment when I was in college, and I remember it vividly because a friend was very upset with me, and I walked in on that person talking about the situation with someone else. And they continued the conversation, and slowly it dawned on me that they were discussing something I did, as if I weren't there. So I said, are you talking about me? Because I'm fairly certain you are. They said, yeah, we are. (laughs) So we were able to talk about it and get to the bottom of the issue. 
That was a weird sensation. And I think about these high-ranking Jewish leaders who are frustrated probably about their conversation with Jesus in the temple where he wouldn't answer their question about who gave him the authority to do what he's doing. And he wouldn't answer because they wouldn't tell him if John the Baptist's baptism came from human or divine origin. And he ends the whole discussion by teaching a parable where they are the unfortunate subject of the story. And it isn't until the end of the teaching that they get it and they leave. They want to punish him, but it's not the right moment. Jesus told many parables, yet this is almost an allegory because it has so many pieces that can be explained. A parable usually has a singular meaning. It's taken as a whole. In an allegory, many pieces have significance. This is what we see here. Here's what we understand. The owner of the vineyard is God. The vineyard are the people of Israel. The tenants are the rulers of Israel throughout their history. The servants are those God has sent who stood in for him through the generations. And Jesus is the son who has come to remind everyone what the owner wants. And although his real life story has not finished, he he ends the teaching with what he knows the leaders are planning. So following up on the interaction about authority, Jesus tells this parable that exposes the motivation of the leaders who are listening. Oh, and they hate that. And that further angers them and shows their fear. And Jesus doesn't explain this parable, but there are four messages I see that he is giving to those who are listening. And so we want to think about those today. There is a lesson here about God his character, and his purpose. We learn a few things here about the Father that Jesus is trying to tell us. We see that he is methodical in his actions. He plants a vineyard, protects it. He does everything he can to make sure that it thrives. He chooses people to run it. We see the generosity of God. The vineyard has everything it needs to make a profit and run well. Jesus has made a world and has been generous and has given abundantly so that earth's inhabitants might do well. We see how the Lord trusts those whom he calls to go and be his representatives. We see the patience of God. We see the goodness of God and how he treats those working for him. What we also see here is God's overall purpose and sovereignty. The vineyard exists, remember, to produce more grapes. We need to not forget that. God wants his people to know him and then invite other people to know him also. His work is successful when there is a cultivation of his life being sown in the hearts of others. The kingdom is meant to reproduce and grow. Jesus is also reminding listeners that everything is owned by God. No one can take over what God has made and owns. But that is what the tenants are trying to do here, isn't it? Because he is absent in person, they act as though they can do whatever they want. We are meant to be stewards over what God has given us. All we own, all we are, has come to us because of the gracious hand of the Lord. We have been loaned the earth. We have been given talents to create Bodies to work, minds to reason, and it is all for God and his glory. So when we take over like we are the rightful owners, 
there will be a problem. And when we face God one day, we will all be accountable for what we did with what he gave us, what he enabled us to have. And so we, may we recognize God's authority in our lives. There is a lesson here about history, how God has given various ways to humans to know that he is real. Those who first heard this teaching would have recognized imagery from Isaiah 5, where there is a piece of poetry about God and his people. And I want to read it to you because it is the word of the Lord and because Jesus was wanting them to remember this as he talked. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than what I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah and the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Here we see God's loving care over his vineyard. But because of people's lack of response to him, the fruit is bad. There's a broken relationship where the branches are no longer connected to the vine. There is no nourishment. Jesus takes the familiar imagery and changes it. And instead of talking about the whole nation who has failed to live in God's way, he focuses in on the failure of those who lead. And the point is not on how good the fruit is. Rather, it is the behavior of those who oversee the vineyard. There is fruit, but they're cutting the owner out of it. God has always shown people who he is. We have a rich Judaic heritage of God drawing close to his people and sending all kinds of servants to teach about what he is saying in their current day. Some were received and some were utterly mocked and despised and rejected. Elijah was turned out by King Ahab. Isaiah was executed by being sawn in two. John the Baptist was beheaded. And Jesus is reminding them of the historical fate that he knows and they know of the prophets. And he's telling them, I know you are planning the same kind of torment for me. We who live today, though, don't just look back. We also need to look at what God is doing now to see the signs so that we can watch what is happening as we look forward to Jesus coming again in the future. And Jesus told us, be on guard for those who claim to have truth, for those who claim to come from God but are not. And as the time gets closer for his return, he said, there's going to be more trauma and more war and more disasters on the earth. And he said, there will be those with no faith 
And they will mock Christians and they will say, there is no God. This week I was randomly listening to a sermon from Billy Graham that he gave at a crusade at Madison Square Garden in 1969. And here's a snippet of that quote. People will say, oh yeah, God is dead. We can't find God anywhere. We took a trip to space. We didn't meet God. We didn't meet any angels while we were there. And then there are going to be other scoffers that will scoff at the idea of future judgment. Scoff at the idea that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth again. They'll laugh at the whole idea. Reverend Graham went on to talk about why people don't want Jesus to return. He says it's because they don't want to acknowledge that he is a God of judgment. Everyone clings to God's love and mercy, which he is. But we don't want to think about judgment when we're living our lives. We don't want to think about him coming back sometimes when we're doing well. Jesus is mad at the Sanhedrin because they are hypocrites who are making people live out an unrealistic view of God, but they are not following him themselves. Jesus knows he's going to be killed. He knows he is the son, not the servant. He goes in with his eyes wide open to the violence that he will endure. And his message seems to be, I know you're going to take my life so that you can continue to run the vineyard as you want. This is not a surprise to me. And I face your actions with courage. But this is not the end. Because there is one who is going to come and clean house. Jesus joins a long list of those sent by God who were rejected. And here he is reminding them, as part of their tragic history, that they can make a different choice. They don't have to do this. They have the opportunity to change course, which would then affect the future they walk into. There's a lesson here about people, about those who take over because they think that God is dead or doesn't care. Just as we see the thought process of the owner, Jesus tells us what the tenants are thinking. Here is the heir. Let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And so they kill him and throw him outside the vineyard, which is a heinous picture of just throwing a life away for their own gain. Somehow they believe the owner was no longer alive or wouldn't care if they killed his only child. A theme in the book of Mark is those who do not know the identity of the son, who come to an understanding of it slowly. The tenants do not count on the son coming. Here Jesus is telling them, I'm here. I've been sent by the owner, checking up to see how it's going. No matter how many times I read this parable, I am surprised by this part of the story. Because there's something poignant about the owner thinking that those he has left in charge will respect his son. It shows a desire for humans to act with goodness. And there's something sad when the son gets there and the tenants just jump on the chance to kill him. Thinking everything will be theirs as if it is their right to take and to take and to take. And just as I'm taken aback by that part of the story, every Lenten season I am again surprised 
at my own culpability in the death of Jesus. We sing the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, which has these words. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. It was my sin and your sin which held Jesus on the cross. And as we read this story, we are reading a parable where Jesus is talking to everyone, all of us. So may we who have ears to hear truly listen. Lastly, there is a lesson here about the future, that those who oppose God will not prevail. Jesus is telling all who can understand that God is in charge, that God will deal with those who abuse their power over others. The vineyard always survives, and it is given to those who will caretake it with humility before the Lord. So the owner comes and gets rid of the tenants. In their culture, an owner could enlist the help of the government to force those who have taken over the land to leave. And I think about people that we know in our lives who have people who stayed in their homes who would not vacate the premises when it was time. They come in and they start acting like the place is theirs and often they trash it. And in these cases, it is a helpless feeling to know people have been asked to leave and won't, behaving as if they have more of a right to be there than the owner themselves. We don't like the idea of God coming back in anger, yet those who take him on must be dealt with or he is not truly in charge. If evil is allowed to run rampant, there is no real hope. And we look around our world and we see how evil has leveraged itself in so many situations. And it's really hard for us. And Jesus is reminding us that we have a God who sees, who is working for good, who keeps sending his messengers and his people to take care of the world that he has given. The vineyard always survives. And is given to others who will caretake it. So may all those who serve God be content with what he has provided. This week in our small group, we talked about King David. When he sinned in an outrageous way, the prophet Nathan came and told him a parable. And David's wrongdoing was the point of the story, although he didn't know it. He didn't hear it until Nathan said, yeah, you're the guy. In response, David recognizes the weight of his sin and seeks restoration with God. Here, Jesus tells a story where the leader's wrongdoing is the point. They understand. They completely get it. And they are not sorry. This is a lesson about stewardship. God's people have always been given a serious responsibility to lead for him. And it is a sacred trust. So we have to decide how we're going to lead when it's our turn. It's our turn. What are we doing? Are we listening well to the movement of the Spirit? Are we paying attention 
to what God wants us to do in his vineyard. With this story, Jesus is asking us to recognize the sovereignty of God by not simply living for ourselves, but living for him. So how do we respond to the plea of Jesus to submit our lives to him? I want to end by a quote from Eugene Peterson, pastor and author of The Message. What an amazing voice he has been for the church. And he went home to be with the Lord this week. These words bring me comfort. When we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't go off and leave us. He enters into our trouble and saves us. Jesus is entering into the mess with these leaders. He's trying to show them that he is present and he is able to help them. He has entered into the mess of our lives and our world. And for those who love him, this brings reassurance and hope. And may each of us see his presence as good news. And may we look forward to him coming again. Let us pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.